0: I got home after session on Thursday night, and uh, it had been a while since I had been been at our house. And I, I had just driven up from my pastor's retreat, and I was a little a little hungry after our meeting. So, uh, after giving Haley a hug and saying it's good to be home, and being tackled by the dog, I opened the door of our fridge. I opened the door of the fridge, and I jumped back because there was a jack o' lantern in the fridge staring back at me i thought why, why is there a pumpkin in the fridge but it turns out if you leave pumpkins out in southern california too early after they've been carved they get kind of gross anyone else already carved a pumpkin or two a few of you Anyone of you consider yourself a jack-o'-lantern artist Uh, Earlier this month, Half Moon Bay hosted the 50th annual World Champion Pumpkin Way Off. If you didn't know this was a thing, it's something you should know about because it's fascinating. Farmers from all over the U.S. spend years honing their craft. Honing their craft to grow the biggest gourd that they can. Experimenting with different seeds with different fertilizer, making sure they use the right amount of water and sun, shoot, probably singing different types of lullabies to them at night, figuring out what will work to make their pumpkins grow. The winner each year gets $9 per pound. $9 per pound. And if they happen to break a new world record, they get a $30,000 check. Well, this year... A horticulturist from Minnesota broke the world record. Let's play a little game. Raise your hand if you think it weighed more than 200 pounds. Y'all are really smart. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. 500 pounds. Alright. 1,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds. Any of you think we should be using metrics instead of uh, 2,500 pounds, 2,750, you're all very close. Some of you have been paying attention. Do you know what it was? You know what it was? It was 2,749 pounds. 2,749 pounds. The previous record was 2,702 pounds and was set by a farmer in Tuscany. Minnesota, Tuscany. Kind of different climates, but okay. Um, this gourd weighs about the same as an adult male walrus. And they estimated that it could produce 687 pies. You didn't think you were going to come to church and learn random Pumpkin factoids today, did you? Uh, it, it's hard to fathom that, that something this, this big started from a tiny, tiny seed. When we started uh, this preschool year, we were trying to figure out ways that we could um, share share that Scripture with our preschool kids in a way that, that just made sense to them. And we decided that we'd start something called Stories with a Purpose. And so I go around to our different preschool classrooms and I share a parable with them. The passage we're about to read was our story with a purpose for the month of October. After learning that one of our little ones was allergic to a mustard, the parable of the mustard seed quickly became the parable of the pumpkin seed. I'm guessing that most of us are, are somewhat familiar with the story. Jesus is sitting by the Lake of Galilee talking with a, a group of people, and as he teaches more and more people, they come to listen to what he has to say. So there's so many people that he, he gets out on a boat and he pushes out, not too far, maybe five or ten feet into the water, so he's talking to everybody as they are on the shore. He tells a series of parables that would have related well to a group of people who relied on the land, farmers who relied on the land to live. It's not at all a stretch to think that everyone in the crowd would have scattered seed at some point in their lives, and that some of them have had seed that had been eaten by birds, and that others had had seed that, that, that would have fallen on the hard path or into shallow soil. Or into thorns. And just like any of us who has a yard, they battled with weeds as well. So Jesus tells these parables that would have been incredibly relatable to the people who heard them. And then he says in Matthew 13, 31 through 32, 35, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I, I loved kind of unpacking this, this parable with our, our preschool students. By the time that we finished, they were repeat, repeating a, a, a short phrase with me. And if three or four year olds, can remember this phrase. I'm hoping we can go home and remember this phrase. A small step in faith can make a big difference. Do that with me. A small step in faith can make a big difference. Now the most memorable conversation I've ever had about this parable happened during my second trip to Malawi a couple years before Haley and I moved there. We were walking through a rural area inviting uh, the people who we ran into to to join us later that evening for a showing of the Jesus film, which is uh, the, the basic gospel message according to Luke. I was with my friend Sydney, who at the time was a Malawian, uh, he still is a Malawian, but he was a seminary student, uh, and, and we were walking around and just greeting people as we went. We came across a hut where a woman was sitting on the front porch, stripping leaves off of a plant that I had no idea what the plant was. She, she'd strip the leaves off the stalk, and then she would place the leaf into a giant pot. We sat down next to her, and we, we just started talking. There was maybe 10 or 15 other people around us, and before long, I learned that the leaves that she was pulling off the stalk were in fact mustard leaves. She was putting them into the giant pot to make something called toba. Toba is, is a village beer or a, a village mead. Um, I tasted it. It's awful. Um, but she explained that this was... This was her business. This was her business, and she used what she made from her business to pay for her son to go to college. She hadn't been to church in years because in that culture, anyone who makes toba wasn't welcome in the church. I thought of Jesus' parable. I thought of the small step that she was taking to make a huge difference in her son's life. And I shared with her the parable while sitting around mustard leaves. The whole conversation, including the pushback that I got from my friend, Sydney, who was translating for me, felt like this, this glimpse of God's kingdom breaking in to our world right then and there. Just like the conversation I was having with our preschoolers earlier This month, the reality is no, no matter our age, no matter our stage, no matter if we live here or we live in Malawi, uh, we can all take small steps of faith that make a really big difference when it comes to bringing glimpses of the kingdom of God into our world today. The passage that Pastor Darrell read earlier uh, came from the, the first creation narrative in Genesis. God pulls light from darkness, separates the sky from the water, forms earth from nothingness. Then comes plants and trees, stars in the distance, and living creatures everywhere in the air, the water, on land. After each step, God looks around and He says, yep, this this is good, this is good. Then comes humankind, made in the image of the Creator Himself and given a responsibility, given a responsibility to to steward that which was created. From the beginning of time, humankind, we were invited to play a role. We were given a responsibility. I spent four of the days... When I was away with friends that I've known for for thirty years, we get together once a year, and, and this year we met in Colorado to to fish, to hike, to feed cows, and to learn about life on a ranch. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I arrived at the ranch five hours before anyone else did, and and got a tour while hearing the owner talking about developing this ranch, about developing th- this place where he. Moved. He shared about the invasive plant species, about the cows, the certain type of cows, American Highlands, for those of you that know cows, that would actually survive a Colorado winter. He talked about the process of restoring rivers back to what they were like before and how it was all connected. He said it was going to take at least another five years to get the property to a healthy place so that it would have a healthy ecosystem. Now, you might not have used the word stewardship, but that's exactly what he was describing. He was learning how to steward the land. He was taking small steps to make a big difference with what he had been given. We don't even get a, a full chapter into the Bible before we're told that we have an important role to play with what God created. Right, right away, humankind is given three responsibilities. We're called to be fruitful and multiply, which is to say we're invited to, to co-create and to, to take care of the future generations. That's what that means. We're called to, to fill and subdue the earth, which paints an image of a farmer or rancher doing whatever it takes whatever it takes to get his or her land in order, to get it to the place of health. And we're called to rule over living creatures. The word that is used for rule here, uh, it's the same word that we get governed from, and it implies taking taking care of living creatures, having their best interest in mind. When I think of the sort of stewardship that's talked about in Genesis, I I, I can't help um, but remember or think of my first experience with the Safari Club. anybody Anybody familiar with the Safari Club? The Safari Club. uh, My father-in-law is a member of the Safari Club. My My father-in-law is a hunter, which I don't have a problem with. But I haven't gone hunting with him. I don't know that I'll ever go hunting with him. It's just not in my wheelhouse. It's not something that I've done. Uh, And Haley and I joined him for a a fundraiser years ago, and I was convinced that I was going to be completely out of my element. That I was going to step into a a world that, that I just couldn't relate to, surrounded by a bunch of gun advocates and taxidermy experts. But I was wrong. I was wrong. Now, they definitely talked about hunting, but they were also creation care experts. They saw themselves as stewards of land, of the animals that they hunted, of the wilderness that they enjoyed. They they saw their role as taking small steps that could make a big difference. When Jesus sat down to share the seed parables. The the crowds that gathered around, they had at least a few things in common with the the folks at the safari club, the owner of the ranch I visited, and and the woman who was making toboa in Malawi. The stories related to what they dealt with almost every day. And while that might not be true to us, we might not think of mustard seeds every day, we might not think of of yeast and, and, and dough each and every day, the lessons that come from this parable are just as important and applicable to us today here at Westminster. There isn't a seed smaller than the mustard seed. You need about 750 of them to get to a gram on the scale. 750 mustard seeds just to get to a gram on the scale. And for some reason, that's the seed that Jesus chose to illustrate what it looks like to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. He could have used something else. There's plenty of other plants around. Olives, they were there. Fig trees, they were there. Grapevines, everywhere. But he chose something smaller, the smallest option, something that, many would have seen as being insignificant. Now, the, the imagery here, it, it teaches us an essential lesson about generosity. It starts small. We all have something to give. We all have something to give. It's not about our, our net worth, how much free time we think we have or, or don't have, or a skill set that we, we think we have or that we don't have. We can all... Bring something. We can all make a difference for God's kingdom. It's unfortunate that the church often falls into a trap of overlooking or or overthinking the, the significance of small acts of generosity. And those small acts are often what God takes and multiplies to make a huge difference. You never know how someone might respond to something that you consider to be small. A smile in the parking lot, 10 minutes helping a neighbor with a chore, a dollar in the offering plate, a gas card for someone who's stuck at a gas station. One of my hopes for our church is that we would move toward being a community where 100% of us, all of us, from our youngest children to those who have been here a long time, that we find a way to give of our time, our talent, and our treasure. What would it look like? Just dream with me for a minute. What What would it, it look like for our church to be known as the generous church in the Canejo Valley? What would that look like? What, what would it look like? Uh, a church that's overflowing with generosity, a church that is overflowing with hospitality because of the way we welcome people and the way that we support one another and the way that we support our community. Now, I know that we're all in in different places in life and that we can all give different amounts of time, talent, and treasure, but to be direct for the moment... The main reason some of us don't give is we simply haven't built the habit of doing it. It's that simple. Growing up, my family didn't talk a lot about money. I grew up in the church. My family didn't talk a lot about money. I knew that we had enough, that there would always be dinner on the table, that we'd always have a place to live, that I'd be able to, to participate in activities within, within reason. And when I got to high school, I had to get a job. I had to get a job to earn money, but the only reason I had to earn money was so that I could pay for gas and insurance for the car that 1987 Honda or 1987 Ford Aerostar that my, my, my parents gave me. We didn't, we didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it. I knew my parents gave to the church, and on occasion they'd give me a dollar when I was really young to give at Sunday school. But that's where it stopped. I never built the habit. I never built the habit of, of giving. And, and so I'm, I'm the pastor, I'm going to seminary, I'm thinking, I've got to learn how to build this habit. Do you know how hard it is to go from zero to ten percent? No matter what you make, zero to ten percent is hard. Is hard. And you know, there's times where we haven't done that. Because we haven't been able to. But it starts small. It starts really small. We have to build the habit of giving. I love to say that I'm, I'm doing a better job with, with my kids, but that's, it's just not true. It's just not true. If we're going to move from an attitude of scarcity to an attitude of abundance, we have to be intentional Intentional with creating a culture of generosity. We have to talk about it too. We have to talk about it. It doesn't really matter how small the start is. This parable reminds us that God will take what we give and multiply it and multiply it. Now Jesus could have stopped with the mustard seeds. He could have stopped... With, with saying, you know, the, the mustard seeds grew into fields full of mustard seeds with lush leaves, but he doesn't. The trees, they provide homes for birds. One of the animals we're called to care for in the creation narrative in Genesis. A small seed making a big difference. And he doubles down on that lesson with a loaded one-sentence parable about yeast. It's a parable that flies in the face of, of those who believe Christians are supposed to just completely separate themselves from the rest of the world. Yeast doesn't do a thing if it just sits on the counter next to the flour, right? Yeast doesn't do a thing if it's just sitting there. And the flour isn't impacted at all if there's, there's no yeast some of Jesus' earliest followers expected a, a swift inter, a return on their investment. The kingdom of God was coming, and it was coming now. Hurry up and get it done. Well, what else happens with yeast? Do you put yeast into flour, mix in some water, and you have bread? Is that how it works? This is the response time. No! No, that's not how it works. It takes time. It takes time for the yeast to work in with the flour and the water to turn in to bread. The amount of bread produced in this one-sentence parable is ridiculously large. Ridiculously large. Sixty pounds of flour would have been enough to feed 40 people three meals a day for several days. But it would have taken a really long time to get to the place where it was feeding those people. In our culture of instant gratification, it's often hard to see the difference that small steps of faith are making. But as we take those steps, however small they might be, God takes them, and like yeast slowly bubbling in wet flour, they make an impact for His kingdom. So over the next month or so, we're going to be having what I hope are open and honest conversations about generosity. And I hope you'll still come to church next Sunday as we talk about these things. Again, it's a conversation. How do we as a church create a generous culture, build a culture of generosity into who we are? We're going to talk about ways each of us can use what we've been given to make a difference. You'll be getting a letter in the mail asking you to partner with us in ministry in the next calendar year, 2024. We do that that every year. And you'll have an opportunity to help close the deficit that we're facing right now. We're going to talk about it. We're going to just talk about it openly. And along the way, if you have any questions that, that you can't talk about here, I'm hoping you'll say, Dave, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the ways that we are using our resources or are not using our resources here. We're, we're having these conversations at session. We're talking about how is our staff, how is our staff using our time? That's a resource of the church. How are we using our buildings? That's a resource of the church. How are we using our, our, our collective gifts that are resources from the church? And if you don't want to talk to me about it, I'm I'm sure plenty of our elders would be happy to talk about it as well. My hope is that this wouldn't just be another, oh, you know what, it's October, it's November, here's the stewardship time. My hope is that we would be open and honest about it. Talking about collectively how our, our small gift, however small it is, can make a big impact for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Holy God, we, we thank you for all that you've given. Help us to be a, a generous church, a generous community, so that our neighbors might know and experience your love, might know and experience your grace in tangible ways. We pray these things in your name. Amen.